Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Hello Storyteller podcast. We've been we've been gone for for a little bit. Took a little summer vacay, and there, my family and I went to uh, Colorado. And Meg's here. Meg did some traveling too. Meg, where'd you go? I went to Lake Tahoe. Oh, it's fabulous. Got out of the heat. Went on some hikes. Went in the lake. It was crystal clear and beautifully blue, and it was fabulous. Awesome. Yeah. Never been the to- only vacation that worked out this summer. So <laughs> remember at the beginning of the summer, I was like, I had my whole summer planned out. I know. It's mapped out. It's on schedule. Yeah. Tahoe's the only thing <laughs> that oh, worked boy. out this summer. Because so, your kids are back right. to school. I worked a lot. Yes. yes yeah. Our friend. We're still two yeah, weeks out. Oh, but guess what? They're in, they get to go to the fun after school care program this year because it is F-R-E-E. That's the favorite kind <laughs> and- of after school care. Oh, yeah. And uh, but they're loving it because a lot of their classmates are in it or their friends that aren't in their class this year go to it. And, it, you know, I gained an extra two hours of work each day. Some people might fret about that. I get very excited. <laughs> I'll tell you what. My kids have been in camp several weeks. So, in fact, right now I only have two children because my oldest oh. is at sleepaway camp for the first time. Same camp <gasps> that his brothers are going to during the day, but he's there overnight. First of all, let's talk about the fact that this camp goes from 830 in the morning until 530 in the afternoon. Let's start there. Mm, I like it. It's fantastic. So, but which it's like, it's more hours than I ever get during the school year, especially now because my oldest starts seventh grade, which is middle school here. And so I can't believe he's going to be in seventh grade. I know. And so (laughs) he's got a rude awakening coming because right now we live like a mile from the elementary school. So their bus comes at 8.20 in the morning. His middle school bus comes at 6.50. Oh, ouch. <laughs> and then he's home like 45 minutes earlier than his brothers are. So my day got even shorter. <laughs> oh, no. So I'm going to be like, listen, I'm still working. Welcome home. Go do your homework because <laughs> your crazy brothers are going to be home soon. But yeah, so we only have two kids this week. Which, if you have more than one child, or even more than two, you know, and listen, I don't understand how the math works. I'm just telling you that this is how it goes. You are down one child, and everything becomes 75% calmer and quieter. Uh-huh. It's, it's <laughs> crazy how it works. My my husband and I were actually talking about it. He'd only been gone for like 24 hours. I'm like, it's so quiet in this house. <laughs> Because he's my, my oldest is a verbal processor. So he talks all the time. He never stops (laughs) talking or making noise. And so just the fact that that is gone, I'm like, wow, I can hear myself think this is kind of lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now that you mention it, uh, my oldest now is in the fifth grade and we literally live like a block down from the elementary school. And so she had asked us if she could walk to school a little bit earlier than uh, when I take her younger sister because her friends meet up at the cafeteria and they can have breakfast and they can like see each other. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I mean, she's taller than me now for Pete's sake. So, you know, I actually walked with her this morning because I kind of, kind of forgot what I was doing. We were chatting and having fun, but uh, I had mentioned the other day that I was like, you know, it's a lot quieter in here in the mornings now that uh-huh. Emma walks to school because she needs <laughs> a good 30 minutes before I go and take Ella. So yeah. I was just like, 
Wow, it's really calm in here, <laughs> quiet, and I can I can hear myself think, and I'm on time, and I even left five minutes earlier today to take Ella to school. Uh, we ride the scooter to school. It's Ooh. really fun. Rollerblade. Sometimes we switch it up. Nice. But yeah, so it's yeah, it's funny how you, you're down a kid and things just change completely. It does. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. So well, we're happy to be back today. And today we are going to be talking wedding photography. Wedding photography. But yay! Yay! Meg's favorite thing. <laughs> I love, love, I love weddings. I love attending weddings. I like shooting very, very small, intimate weddings. Yes. I just don't love sh- shooting 10 hour long, gigantic, you know, enormous weddings. You take yeah. you take Meg on a wedding with you once and you never <laughs> you live it down again. <laughs> Holy crap. But today, actually, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the do's and the don'ts of being a second photographer at a wedding. And I felt like this was timely because I am in the throes of wedding season here. I'm about to embark on two months of, I'm trying to think how many weddings I have between September and October. I don't know, 12? like a lot. <laughs> you I told have, me the number before and I was like, huh? I have 28 <laughs> or 29 weddings this year. Now, some of them, like I've had a couple of really sweet elopements. So that's, that's fun. I had an enormous wedding this past weekend, which was an experience that we're not going to talk about today, but. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> No, it was, I mean, my, my parts of it were, went totally fine. So that's, that's good. But no, like the majority of my weddings are very like chill, laid back, relaxed, like totally my vibe. So it's actually like really fun for me, but I've worked with a variety of second photographers this year. And so I just thought, you know, we get questions sometimes both over the Hello Storyteller Facebook community on Instagram and on the podcast about, you know, like how to get into wedding photography And we are going to actually discuss that in another podcast episode, but this is sort of like the prequel to the, that episode, because before you think about becoming a wedding photographer, you need to have wedding experience. And one of the best ways to do that is by being a second photographer for, for weddings. And so And I have worked with a variety of people as second photographers. Some of those experiences have been knock it out of the park great. Some of those have not. And so I thought it was helpful. It might be helpful to share some do's and don'ts about being or offering up yourself as a second photographer if if going into the wedding industry is something that you want to do. Because as a lead photographer, I can tell you that we're looking for specific things when we bring on a second photographer. So want to start, these are in no particular order in terms of the do's and the don'ts, but just know that they're all sort of of equal importance. And if there's one that I feel like is more important than others, I'll, I'll let you know. So I guess first things first, what is a second photographer? A second photographer is what it sounds like. You are there to assist the lead photographer. And I think that's important to note because I think sometimes second photographers don't completely understand what their job is. And so let me walk through a little bit 
of, of what the second photographer's job is. So I would say on the whole, now it can vary obviously from wedding to wedding, from lead photographer to lead photographer, but on the whole, the second photographer's job is to be there to assist the lead photographer. Typically the second photographer will be spending most of their time with one half of the couple. If it's a bride and a groom, typically with the groom and his groomsmen or his wedding party, um, doing getting ready photos, helping, you know, doing, uh, wedding party photos, getting a different perspective of the ceremony, and then really assisting during formal portraits. I would say, you know, it varies as well. I have friends who have second photographers that stay with them the entire wedding. I did that to Meg, that one wedding that she shot with me, which I just want to point out and say that after that wedding, as much as she has complained about it, we, we like started a wedding company. I like, didn't go anywhere, <laughs> but she was we like, thought about starting a wedding company. I she, think we thought about it before that happened. And we then did. I was like, Nope, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> Now, let it be known that I don't shoot 10 hour weddings anymore. Although I say that and I shot a 12 hour wedding this past weekend. Yeah. Then we're doing it again. Um, but since, since 2018, which is when we shot this wedding or 2019, 2018, the majority of weddings are seven hours. So that being said, but as a second photographer, your job is to assist the lead photographer. You can't go into second photography gigs with any other expectation other than I'm here to do whatever the lead photographer needs me to do. When second photographers come in and their focus is not on assisting the lead photographer and their focus is on how can I build my own portfolio, that's where things can start to go sideways. So I gave a little brief overview of how it typically works as a second photographer, but let's, let's start with, if you're going to put yourself out and say, Hey, I'm available to take on and be a second photographer, you need to do a little self inventory. <laughs> okay. You don't have to have wedding experience to be able to be a second photographer. However, you do need to have technical proficiency in your photography skills. And I would say that at a level where you feel comfortable photographing in any light, utilizing flash and being able to manage people. And this, this is, I would say accurate as a second photographer and as a lead photographer as well. But if you're going to say, put your, you know, open for business sign up on, on your webpage or, or to friends and say, Hey, I'm available. I'm looking to try to get into the wedding industry. I'm ready to second, be a second shooter. You need to know your stuff. And the reason being is that, you know, when you're shooting your own clients, or if you're not in the wedding industry as of yet, and you are photographing families or newborns, it is a totally different situation, right? We're picking the location, we're picking the time, we're helping the clients with their outfits. We have a lot of control over those sessions. You have very little control. <laughs> And Megan and I can talk about our experience at this wedding because there was we got thrown a curveball at this wedding that she and I shot together. But you have weather-wise, anyway, you have very little control over. In fact, you have zero control over the location, the time of the ceremony, the light you're going to have, what people are wearing, the colors of the wedding. So you don't have, and especially as a second photographer, 
you have no control over that. As a lead photographer, right, when I'm working with my clients, we set up a timeline. I'm giving them my best recommendations on what time we should be doing portraits. And, and so hopefully your lead photographer has done that. But you have to be able to photograph and feel comfortable photographing technically proficient photos. Because here's the deal. So if I have a second photographer, I'm sending them to, to go be with one part of the couple. They are replacing me in that situation. I have no option to take my own photos of that time of the day. So I have to rely 100% on my second photographer to be able to not only get the details and not only get good creative emotional shots, but also to shoot them correctly in terms of exposure, in terms of shutter speed, in terms of aperture, to make sure that I can actually use them and deliver them to the client. Now, as someone who is a bit of a control freak, uh, this is very difficult for me. <laughs> Unless I 100% know the skill set of my second photographer beforehand. And so if you, if you are not proficient in an area, then you need to be upfront about that with your lead photographer. I would much rather know at the onset that there is maybe an area where you feel less confident or that you struggle in so that I can assist or help you to make sure that I'm going to be able to deliver for my client. Cause the lead photographer's focus is I have to deliver these photos to my client. So they have to be taken well, because I have no other choice or option. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like if you mess it up, I can't recreate those photos. So Technical proficiency is hugely important. Do not overestimate your skill set because we will know that you're lying when <laughs> we get your photos back. And that puts your lead photographer in a really difficult position. If you have said, oh yeah, no, I am told like totally know how to use flash. Yep. I absolutely, you know, I shoot manual. I know how to do all those things. And then we get your photos and we can tell right away that that you don't know how to do any of those things. Now we're screwed because we still have to deliver the photos. The, con the client has contracted with us and we have to somehow figure out how to make whatever you gave us work. So technical proficiency is an absolute must. If you're someone who is just starting out and does not feel comfortable shooting in manual, does not feel like they have technical proficiency, does not feel comfortable shooting in all kinds of different lighting situations, you're not ready yet. So wait. Mel, what do you do to uh, vet your second shooters? Typically, I only work with people that I know personally. So like East Coast Meg, for example, right? Like we would, uh, although what's, what's funny is we've actually never shot a wedding together in either capacity, like either me seconding for her or vice versa, like our schedules just haven't worked out. But like she's someone that I know 100% I could have as a second photographer. Any of my other sort of like friends in that group I've had uh, my, my friend, Nicole, who's a photographer. She's second shot for me before. There's another photographer actually. So there's several photographers in my town that I know really well. And Leah, who we actually, we had in the podcast, she talked about stock photography. She second shot for me several times, but it's like, I need, I need to know 
that person personally for a couple of, of reasons. Uh, number one, because I need to know their personality. Are we going to be able to work together? Number two is I need to know the scope of their work and what they're capable of doing. You know, if their style of photography is wildly different than mine, that's not going to work, right? Because I'm delivering a, a gallery and aesthetic to this client and it needs to look consistent, even though I'm editing everything. If they're shooting, you know, if I'm shooting, if I shoot wide open, which I do, right? And I'm shooting at, you know, 2.0 and they shoot everything with, with on-camera flash and at 5.6, like those photos are not going to look the same. So, but if it's someone like I recently had someone second shoot for me at a wedding who I did not know personally, because literally everybody else that I knew, <laughs> I even reached out to people that I know don't, don't second shoot, but do weddings. And I was like, listen, hi, hello, friend any chance you might be willing, available or able to come do this wedding with me, please, please, please. It was just a date that everybody was booked. So I had to rely on the galleries this person sent me over and, you know, and sort of what I saw in their online work and conversations. And I will say that it did not go as well as I was hoping it was going to go. And there were some red flags there that I'll talk about. And I guess I'll talk about now, talk about betting. So I know it's very popular right now, all these styled shoots that people have, or these like shoot alongs or shootouts that people do. And a lot of them happen to be like wedding based. And so if you don't know what I'm talking about, basically, you know, typically a photographer or a planner will put together like a content day sort of, right? So they'll get a couple that will serve, you know, two people that will serve as a couple. They bring in a dress, they bring in a cake, they bring in stationery, they bring in flowers, all these things. They basically set it up like a mock wedding. These are great. Uh, in terms of building your portfolio, right? If you're, if you're not someone that's in the wedding industry and you want to be able to have photos to be able to show to clients, like it's, it's great in that capacity. Or if you're trying to get more weddings in, like I did one, I was a lead photographer in one back in this year, last year. I don't remember now. Goodness. No, it was last year that was set in the winter. I haven't shot a lot of winter weddings. So that was perfect. It was great. It gave me the content to be able to be like, Oh yeah, I've shot in the winter. Uh, but I would say if you're a lead photographer that is vetting second photographers, if the only galleries that they are sending you or the only things that they are posting to their social media are from styled sessions, that's a bit of a red flag. And the reason being is because it's not hard to get a good photo at a styled session. <laughs> like you're set up there to be able to get beautiful photos because you're, it's, it's, you, it's, it's staged, right? It's not real life. So the, the lead photographer or the planner has designed the entire aesthetic, right? So it's, it's beautiful outfits. It's beautiful florals. It's beautiful lighting. It's beautiful location. So it's not hard to get a good photo in those sorts of situations. And so I will say that this was a bit of a red flag for me when I was communicating with this person and when they sent me over some of their work and I specifically asked them to send me galleries of weddings that they lead or a second shot at, because I wanted to see what the context of their work was like outside of the styled shoot setting. But the only photos they ever posted to their social media were from styled sessions. And you can typically tell that because they will like they'll list all the people that were involved, you know, as the vendors. So I would say that's a bit of a red flag. If, if that's the only work they have, I would be concerned about their ability to be able to shoot in all different kinds of lighting situations. And this was sort of the situation that we, that I, that I dealt with. 
So those are sort of like the big things for vetting and also asking them who they've second shot for before and then reaching out to those photographers and saying like, Hey, this person listed you as a reference. What was your experience like with them? I mean, it is, it's basically like a job interview, you know? So you, you need to make sure that you're talking to the people that they've worked with before to see what their experience was. So we talk about technical proficiency is huge. Don't overestimate your skills. Be honest about any areas that you lack confidence in so that your lead photographer is aware and can help you with those things. I'm happy to say like, okay, let's, at a typical deal, I'm like, let's confer our settings here, right? We're standing in the same light. Because a lot of times what I'll do is like when it comes to family portrait time, I've been doing this more recently when I've had second photographers with me is I always create the shot list beforehand, um, in conjunction with a couple. And so in a situation where I'm going to have a second photographer, what I will do is I will split the family portraits up and we'll do like individual shots with, you know, with each member of the couple and their families and myself and the second photographer will do those sort of parallel at the same time to help save time. We'll do the same thing with wedding party photos. So I'm always like, Hey, let's, let's double check our settings to make sure our photos are going to look consistent. Cause there is, can, you have to have consistent photos to be able to, to give back to your client. So those things are very important. The biggest, one of the two, the two big things that I'll put out there for you as a second photographer is that you need to focus on what you're being asked and expected to do. Okay. And this sort of goes back to the very beginning where your job is there to assist the lead photographer. So I know that a lot of times second photographers get like, not to knock, you know, the groom and the groomsmen. Um, I actually, I, I actually really enjoy working with the groom and the groomsmen, but they get the, maybe the less fun parts of the day right? You're taking the detail shots. You're working with the groom and the groomsmen. You're not spending a lot of time with the bride and the bridesmaids, but that's what you signed up for. Like your job is to assist the photographer in the parts of the day that they need help and assistance with. And so your focus needs to be on doing the job that you are asked and agreed to do. I'm always very clear with my second photographers about what their role is going to be, what my expectations of them are, um, and what I'm going to need their help and assistance with. And so if you go into it with that mindset of like, that these are these bullet points, right, are what I need to do today and let that be your focus. And if there's other times throughout the day where you have opportunities to take, you know, photos for you or, or other photos, then that's fine, but that's not the main focus. And I think one of the other issues that I ran into with this other photographer that I worked with is that I needed their help during family formals. We had a very tight timeline we were in a very public, busy place. It was a very large wedding party. And I was very clear, like, I'm going to do all the family photos, but I need you to pull people together. And I had a, a, a very detailed list of the, all the family combinations. And instead of pulling families together, they were taking shots like right over my shoulder, which I don't need. I don't, I don't need like a million shots duplicated of what I'm already taking. So your focus needs to be on doing what you're being asked to do. Now, Meg, I don't know if you can, I've never, I've actually never, ironically, weirdly, I've never actually served as a second photographer, but Meg has. And so, I mean, what was that experience like for you 
when you and I did Christina and Eric's wedding and serving in that second photographer role? Um, I'm not going to lie. It was really hard. (laughs) (laughs) Not, not because it was, it was harder to take a back seat just because we both have creative eyes Mm -hmm. and, but you were the lead. So I had to just follow what you were doing. And I had to ask you (laughs) if there was anything you needed (laughs) and how I could help. Meg it was just a very different really, role. Really exciting for people. <laughs> well, it is. And I think I think it's if you're fine. someone and you're learning, you know, yeah. because as proficient as you and I both are now, it's it's hard to take a back seat when you're used to being the lead. So mm-hmm. it was a little humbling yeah. uh, <laughs> and tiring just because it was a long day. But yeah. I liked being able to help you when there was something you specifically could not do because you couldn't be in two places at once. Yeah. So and yeah, so, being able to assist that was was helpful. And I think sometimes too, like uh, I appreciated the second photographer. Like so, at this particular venue that we were at, they were in. Uh, they were getting. It was just a really cool venue that Meg and I shot at together. And so I needed to position myself like in the pavilion where they were going to be getting married. But I said to Meg specifically, I'm like, I want you to just like stay with the wedding party and photograph them in this other location. And she got this incredible shot of the bride and her mom, like walking into the pavilion area. I did? Ooh, cool. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. And so sometimes like as a second photographer, you get access to things that other people don't see. So like, I don't typically get to like, be the last person that's hanging out with the bride before she walks down the aisle, because I'm at the front of the aisle waiting for her to come down. And so as a second photographer, I think sometimes too, you get to flex like your creative, you know, your creative skill set a little bit. And I remember Meg and I sort of chit-chatting about like, what lens are you using? What lens are you using? Because I don't want my second to be using the same lens I'm using. I want there to be a different perspective. Like that's why I have a second photographer. And so in some regards, I feel like I would like being a second photographer because I could just get super creative. Like in the times where like my work is going to be sort of supplemental to what the lead photographer is doing. So like during the ceremony or like during, you know, family portraits and I'm taking a couple shots here and there, like I can get more creative because the leads got it right. Like they're, they're in the prime location, but that means that I get to be more creative. And this I would say was true shot a wedding, uh, end of July, uh, had an amazing second photographer with me. She was great. She's also a photographer here in town. And I was looking through the photos that she sent me and I was just dying. And I'm like, Galen, like I could see her out of the corner of my eye because she was getting all these like creative shots that I would have loved to have gotten like during the first look, but I needed to like be in the spot that I was in because of the videographer. So she was just like hopping around and like shooting through trees and tree branches and leaves and all these things. And so like it was fun for me to look through her, like to see what she was doing in real time and then look through her photos after and be like, Oh yeah, like this is speaking to my creative soul. So I think, <laughs> I think in some regards as a second, you have like, obviously in the parts in the time of the day where you're serving as the lead, right? So we'll just talk about, you know, uh, a couple that's, you know, bride and groom. If you're with the groom and the groomsman, you're lead during that time, right. In terms of him getting ready, hanging out with his groomsmen, you know, any individual portion of the groom, like that's your time to shine and be lead. But then outside of that, when the lead photographer is there and you're shooting as an assistant, you can get super creative. And we want that. Like, I want a different perspective. I want a unique, you know, 
viewpoint and, and glance point into what's going on. Like that's what I'm sort of expecting of, of my second photographer as well. So, but yeah, it can be a humbling experience when you're used, <laughs> when you're used to being the person in charge and you're used to sort of like being your own creative director, sort of having to take that direction for somebody else can be a challenge. And I think it's maybe less of a challenge if you're trying to like get your foot into the door of the wedding industry and you haven't done it before. And it's also different to when like I have, I know other people that like they shoot together, like that's what they do. And I think when Meg and I had thought for a hot second about starting a wedding company, like it was going to be a collaborative effort, right? Like it was going to be 50, 50. So that's a different type of situation, but, but yeah, I think, you know, don't be afraid to flex your creativity in those times when you're able to, or you can, but let's talk about what's fun is I, uh, I got to do video and you did, I I got to play with a whole different, different thing. So I know that Mel ended up putting the video together, but it was so fun to see all the clips put together. And I know I had brought my drone. You did. Yeah. And, uh, ML had done such a fun, um, the, the bomb smoke bombs. Oh, smoke bombs. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, and such a great wedding party too. Like that, it what really was a fun wedding. And to yeah. go back to what Mel was saying, it was nice not having the responsibility to be on a hundred percent and, you know, really think, ahead of time on every little thing. It was kind of like, Hey, what do you want me to do? And you're like, Hey, go do this. I'm like, all right, cool. (laughs) You know? So in that respect, it was really nice to have that flexibility to just be like, Hey, what do you want me to do instead of having to do all the brain power? And yeah. So. Yeah. And ultimately, I mean, the nice thing about second shooting is that you get to shoot it and walk away. Like you don't have any yeah. other responsibility. That was really nice. It's just like, here you go. Here's all the raws. Have Here's fun. <laughs> See you later. So to that end, let's talk a little bit about gear. So here's my thought on this. And maybe this will be controversial. I, I don't know. And it's my, maybe a, a tad bit hypocritical because I will be very honest the first two years that I shot weddings of which in those two years, I think I shot like five or six, maybe I, um, I only owned one camera and it did not have two card slots. Uh, I always rented a second body. So I had two bodies on me just in case, but they did not have two card slots. And I think I sort of have taken for granted that the photographers that I typically have second for me, I know their gear, right? Cause we talk about all that stuff. So I know they've got multiple bodies and multiple lenses and they have, you know, dual card slots and all that jazz. And I'll, I'll be honest that I didn't, I totally forgot to ask this other photographer that I had worked with what their gear was until like we got into a phone call, you know, like the week of the wedding. And then I realized that they only like, they primarily shot with the 50 millimeter, which is fine. Like there's no issue with that per se. But again, when, if I'm trying to work in parallel with my second for things like wedding party photos or family portraits, they need to be shot at the same vocal length so that they match up. Right. So like if, if the bride's mom wants to print out photos of, you know, uh, multiple different types of family photos, they're going to look different depending on the focal lengths that are used. So always ask what the gear is, and then you can make your own determination about what you feel comfortable with. I think moving forward, it will be a requirement for me that they have cameras that have dual card slots. 
because I have dealt with, I think we talked about on the podcast before a situation I had at a wedding last year where I had a complete dual card error failure and a camera that was rendered unusable. And so I think for me, especially as, you know, being a bit of a control freak, not being in a position where I, you know, where I'm trusting that person to capture a segment of the day that I have no access to knowing that they have two card slots to write to is hugely important because of that backup process and making sure they have, you know, at least a 35 and then something that's a lens, ideally that's different than what I have. So like I shoot with a 35 and an 85 and sometimes my 20 or 24. And so like when I shot with my friend Caitlin a couple of weeks ago, she has a 35 and 85, a 20. She has like a, you know, uh, what's the big long one? Is it a hundred and, is it 104? Is that what it is? 105. 105, 105 yeah. Which, oh, gosh. She took some shots with that, and I was like, stop doing that. It makes me want to get one. Oh, my God. If I had a reason to have a focal length that long, I would totally Ugh. get it, but I don't. I do, but I'm like, oh, goodness. Get it! I know. <laughs> um, you know, so she could she knew what I was shooting with. So she could take the time and like swap out like during the ceremony. Cause her shots are supplemental to mine during the ceremony. Right. So she can, again, she has that creative freedom to, you know, that she can get creative with what lenses she's using and how she's shooting them. And, you know, so I think it's really important to ask the questions about the gear. Now I will tell you that some people are very, some lead photographers are like, they can only, I need someone to shoot the same camera I have. So if I shoot Canon, they got to shoot Canon. If I shoot Sony, Here's what I'll say about that. I have had people shoot for me. I shoot Sony now, who shoot Sony, who shoot Nikon, who shoot Canon. And I will tell you that for me, my, my for my specific editing style, it's there's not an issue editing wise. I will say that when I was shooting Canon and I had a second one time that shot Nikon, that was a bit of a challenge. But I feel like the Sony just meshes well. Although I will say that I had someone who was shooting. Fuji, that's a challenge in comparison to like how the Sony shoots. So, you know, you have to make your own determination on what's going to be easiest for you. But I think having a very clear and specific conversation about the gear that they have is really important. The other piece is that I, I choose to, uh, I just think it's good practice. I give my seconds the, uh, the, the, the memory card. So ideally they have a dual slot camera. They have one of their cards in their camera. They have one of my cards in the camera. And that way at the end of the night, they give it back to me when they leave. And I have everything on their card. And then they have a copy of it for themselves as well. But there's also two cards. So it's writing. So in case one happens, something happens to one of the cards, we're, we're covered. We're good to go. Um, now, everyone has different stipulations in their second photographer contracts about things. But I would say in general, it's not considered good taste or good form for the second photographer to communicate individually with a couple in any capacity. So like you, this is not your time to promote your business. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like if you're serving as a second photographer for somebody, this is not your time to be chatting up the clients about your business and that you're like, just no, don't do that. Likewise, you should not be reaching out to the couple in any capacity on your own because their relationship is with the lead photographer that is who they hired 
And that's those lines of communication need to be clear and open. And now everyone's going to have different stipulations about when you can post, when you can share, how that works. So you really, as a lead photographer, you need to figure out what makes sense for you, what you're comfortable with. I ask my seconds not to share anything they've shot until I've notified them that I delivered the gallery to the client. And then after that, they can share if they want to, they can use them for their portfolio. But if they post on social media, they need to be clear that they were second shooting for me. So, but that's going to vary from photographer to photographer sometimes, which I don't know. I don't think it makes any sense myself personally, but there's been lead photographers I know of who don't allow them basically to use any of the photos for their portfolio. They can't ever share them again. It's if you're someone who is looking to second shoot, you need to feel comfortable with the stipulations of the contract. As a lead photographer, you need to be comfortable with the stipulations of the contract. So it's going to vary from person to person, but you should have a contract always. Um, and in terms of payment, I will say it varies across the country. Obviously, I would say the going rate for a second photographer is somewhere between 50 to $75 an hour, depending on experience. In some places, it could be a little bit lower than that. And again, it varies from wedding to wedding. I don't typically have the seconds with me all day. They're usually with me for four, maybe five hours from getting ready through portraits or through the end of the ceremony, whichever comes first, depending on how the day is scheduled. Um, and so the way that I work it is I pay 50%, you know, prior to the wedding. And then I deliver the other 50% once I've had a chance to review their images because if I get delivered images and none of them are usable, then you haven't done your job. And so that's how my, my situation works. I know some people that don't pay at all until afterwards. I don't think that's necessarily fair. The time, you know, they were there, they turned, they could have potentially got another work. So I think it's fair to pay for the time that they're there, but I'm going to wait till I've had a chance to review everything and make sure that it's usable, uh, before I get delivered the, you know, before I, I pay the remainder of, of the balance. Because if those photos are not usable, then that's an issue and a problem. And that sort of circles back to, you know, being comfortable and confident in your technical skills and also being transparent. So if, you know, if you are struggling in a part of the day, obviously you need to notify your lead photographer right away if there was an issue or a problem where you weren't able to get photos that they wanted. And, and I will say this too, that as a lead photographer, you can't expect people to read your mind. And that can be difficult sometimes because I think as someone who's been in the wedding industry for a number of years, there's things that I just sort of like take for granted that, that someone who's new to it won't, won't even be thinking about or won't even expect. And so you can't expect someone who's new to be able to know how a wedding day is going to flow or what is, or what is expected from them if you're not clear about it. So I'm always, I always provide a very detailed list to my seconds of what I need them to do. I give them examples of my work. I tell them the types of shots that I'm looking for them to get when it comes to like, like specific things. Like for me, I always shoot our family portraits. If there's enough space in both portrait and landscape orientations, I just, because from a printing perspective, sometimes people are going to want to print them and, you know, I want them to have options. Ideally I shoot them both and both my 35 and my 85. So if someone's going to work in parallel with me, that's going to be important to me as well. And then like the types of wedding party photos that I like to do. 
but anything else that you want people that you want your second to photograph, you need to be clear about. So when it comes to details, like you need to be very clear. I, I need you to get all the florals. I need you to get, you know, any signage. I need you to get tablescapes. I need you to get like large room shots. I need you to get, you know, wh whatever it is, you need to be specific about it. Cause you can't expect someone who is new to the wedding industry, who has just started second shooting to be able to read the room and know what you want without being specific about it. On the flip side, as a second, if you're given a very specific shot list of things you need to get, then you need to get them. And if there was an issue in getting them, then you need to let your lead photographer know right away so they can either try to get them or be able to explain to their couple why they didn't get these particular photos. So communication, open communication is key. It's just like hugely important. We don't want to be surprised. <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, about, you know, I was like, I thought I asked you to photograph this. How come I don't see these photos here? Like uh, there should be no confusion for me as I'm going through photos about why I'm not seeing what I asked to be photographed. And then the last thing I would say, and this is obviously more prevalent now because of social media and reels and all that other stuff is if you're in a position, you know, if you're at a, a point in time of the day where you don't have an active shooting role. Maybe you're wrangling family. Maybe you're helping out. If you can just take a couple of quick behind the scenes of the lead photographer, that's just always super helpful, especially on wedding days. And especially as someone who photographs weddings primarily on her own, I have almost no photos or, or video evidence of me photographing weddings <laughs> in any capacity. So if you can take a couple shots of your camera of them working, if you can take a couple video clippets, you know, snippets on your phone or your DSLR of them working, like, you know, those are great to have to be able to send, you know, over to the lead photographer because it's helpful to be able to show what we do. I don't know, Meg, is there anything that you think we haven't covered or anything from your experience that you think would be helpful for people that are looking to become second photographers should remember or think about or do or say or ask. I'm thinking wheels are turning. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's all I got. I think I talked about this already before, but I, when it comes, like you should know how to, you should know how to basically use flash especially if you're going to be there for ceremony. Um, maybe not so much. I mean, I, not very many seconds are there through the reception, but ceremony spaces can be super tricky and we have zero control <laughs> over the locations that our couples choose to get married and the lighting that we're dealt with when we get there. And I will tell you what, that I think most people that create wedding venues need to have a photographer on there at the point of building, because we could tell you, <laughs> I'm always like, how come this building wasn't built in the other direction? <laughs> it drives me crazy. But did no one think about the light? I don't understand. So having a basic knowledge of flash and how to use it is hugely important because most churches, if they allow flash, it's an asset to, to use it. And you never, again, you never, and you're getting ready spaces too. Like sometimes hotel rooms are not bright. And so if you're getting, you know, if you're with people and you're getting ready in a hotel room, it can be challenging. So having a basic use and knowledge and understanding of flash is 
two thumbs up because sometimes you need that to be able to produce the images that you need to, that the lead needs to deliver to the couple. So I hope that was helpful. And we're going to, you know, we're going to sort of sprinkle some more wedding related podcasts episodes here and there, you know, between now and the, and the end of the year. I think we are going to try to get East Coast Meg on the podcast here to talk about sort of how to break into the wedding industry as, you know, if you started out as a family photographer, how to sort of like get over to the other side. Um, and I think that's a question that we've gotten asked a lot. But, you know, if you're someone that feels like you are in a place where you want to start offering up your services to second photographer, start reaching out to people in your area, start reaching out to wedding photographers and just letting them know, like, you know, and I, I think of it this way, like, you know, I'm not a huge fan of like cold calling people, but you know, if you don't have any ties or connections to people in the wedding industry, so like bakers, venues, florists, hairdressers, makeup artists, like you probably know somebody that does wedding work, you know, give them your business card. And if I'm sure they know photographers, I'm sure they know planners, I'm sure they know venues. Um, and just let them know like, Hey, you know, I'm taking on second shooting gigs and, and then be ready to be able to share your experience, you know, via email gallery links with lead photographers, if they inquire or they reach out to you, you should be, I think it's a good idea to sort of set yourself up for success. And, you know, if someone reaches out to you that you're able to say, you know what, let me send you over all my information and it can walk through like, you know, a little brief overview of how long you've been shooting, what sort of gear you have, some links to different lighting situations or to, you know, if you if you don't have any wedding work in your portfolio at all, that's not necessarily a deal breaker for me. But if you can show me a variety of galleries of yours in different lighting situations, indoor, outside, overcast, like if I can look through those, then I, then that's okay. So I don't, I don't want you to think that if you don't have any wedding experience at all, styled shoot or otherwise, that it's never going to work for you. But if you can showcase your ability to photograph in different lighting situations, that's going to be the main, truly the main point of, of focus for your lead photographer. So put a little, you know, about me packet together, email together with links and be able to send that over if people inquire with you. And, or, you know, just if you want to reach out to a couple of different wedding photographers in your area and just let them know, like, Hey, looking to, to get into the wedding industry would love to just let you know that I'm available and then potentially be willing to, you know, to work at maybe a little bit of a lower rate and, or, you know, offer up services as an assistant, you know, just so you can get your sort of like, see how the wedding day flows because coming to a wedding as a guest and photographing them are two very, very different things. And so like seeing what happens behind the scenes, I think is, is helpful and important. So all that to wrap this up is a little bit longer than I was intending it to be, but trying to set you up for success to if, if, if stepping into the wedding industry is something that you want to do second photography, working as a second photo photographer is a great way to do that. Hopefully this is helpful for you in, in trying to figure out and learn what to do, what not to do and how to be someone that gets referred on because I'll tell you what, there was several names that were sent to me that's, you know, that from other photographer friends of mine, and I was looking for a second and you can get a lot of work as a second photographer if you do your job well. So hopefully that was helpful. 
we'll be back at you next week. I think we're back on our weekly uh, podcast recordings now that summer is coming to a close and school is starting and we have some semblance of a schedule again. Um, yay, structure! Yay, Woo-hoo. structure! Woohoo! Thank the Lord. Thank God. <laughs> so yeah, hang in there. You'll make it. School's right around the corner if you're a parent. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye, friends. Bye.